Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I am very excited to be here today with a special guest, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about herself, but um, from her bio, and I'm going to share her website later, I've learned some really cool things about her, and I want to share a quote, but this is Susanna Bazzoni, and she is a doctor who became basically um, what I would think of as a holistic medicine doctor, but I would love for you to explain you know, lifestyle medicine and the distinctions or similarities. And um, so she specializes and sees clients all over the country. And she will tell us what she does, but um, also married to an artist who's amazing. His work is incredible. And she has three young children, like older elementary, young mm-hmm. middle school, and um, all kinds of neat hobbies, yoga, sings opera, running, Walking, I can't remember what a all. A lot of walking, a lot of light hills. <laughs> a lot of hills <laughs> keeps it interesting. Um, so I want to just share a really quick quote, and um, and then maybe a little caveat or idea to throw into this is since I have ADD and ADHD, and I think a lot of my listeners may have ADHD, and of course a lot of them also may struggle with depression and things that affect our motivation and our energy levels. So, um, but I, I know on your website and just speaking with you, you try to keep it manageable and simple. And so I may throw in some thoughts on how hard healthy habits are for me. Mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about them, but I do need things to be simple and manageable or I won't do them. You know, so I, I love that that's part of your philosophy. So, um, okay. This, this quote from Susanna is really cool. And then I'll just let you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so she uses the phrase of how much she loves empowering her patients using nature's guidance and addressing diseases from their root causes rather than covering up symptoms. 
I just love that. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you do and how you kind of went from traditional medicine to lifestyle medicine? Yeah, absolutely. So, so yes. Yeah, so empowerment, I think, is really key. And I think it's it's key to, to look in the context of where we are, right? Because our medical system right now is one that with best intentions and with a lot of incredible doctors and, and again, wonderful science, we have kind of found ourselves giving diagnoses to patients and mm-hmm. then boxing them in. Mm-hmm. And then that gives them an identity. And, and if there's something that we know to be true is that you have to engage in your universe from an identity of the person you're trying to become, mm-hmm. right? And, and we have also in doing that, we say, okay, well, this is you. You are now say ADD yeah. or depressive or, mm-hmm. you know, diabetic, mm-hmm. like this is my identity. And then I say, and here is my typical management, which is usually a medication. Mm-hmm. And so now you are dependent perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. And we're taking away people's power to right. a large degree. And if what we want and what we all want to be is our best selves, yeah. right? And and most importantly, striving for a purpose. What we've done in our medical system is put that the end point that we're all looking towards is a number mm-hmm. or a diagnosis. And so like your value is then what is your weight or what is your blood pressure? Mm-hmm. And if you look at how messed up this is mm-hmm. in a system that's supposed to be healing, you have to think, well, on, on your last days on the planet, are you going to be saying... I just wish my systolic blood pressure had been less than 120. (laughs) Right. You know, who cares? Right. And so people come into into my office or into any medical office Uh with that as their endpoint. And so 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 often I I use my first visit to redirect their endpoint away from their diagnosis code, Mm. away from their broken pathologic identity that's been given to them and redirect it towards why do you want to live longer? Mm-hmm. What? Why do you wake up in the morning? Right. That's purpose driven living. And we know through kind of associative studies that that adds eight years to your life. If you just know why you're getting up in the morning. Wow. And, and then you're talking about, well, then I get it off of the weight, which is a really miserable number to focus on in many respects. And I get it onto I feel lighter. I feel more energetic. I, I want to walk with my kids. I have more vibrance and more more engagement with what matters most to me. And that's a positive feedback system. Mm. And that makes you want to do more. And it then it makes healthy living. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Contagious. Mm-hmm. And, and then other people are like, man, what are you doing? I, yeah. wanna, I want some of that. And it's really purpose-driven living and uniting around positive habits in a in a not a should do way, mm-hmm. but rather in a want to way and in, in a like retraining my reward center and my reward systems in my brain to know what is a reward. It's not something that makes me feel gassy and bloated and fat, if you will. Right. But it's something that makes me feel vibrant and that I can do what I'm on this planet to do with with more energy and more vibrance and continue doing what me, what is meaningful to me. And then you say, well, that's what I want. Mm. And then the decisions you make in your life are going to inherently lead you to that end if that is our focus. Mm. But we've got to switch it away from the pathology or the broken state yeah. to like or or another thing. I just I just gave this talk the other day and uh-huh. it's really, you know, shift the focus from the why not to the why and mm. see what happens. Right. Like just what what is it going to hurt you to try something different and yeah. see what happens? Yeah. And have fun and joy in the journey. Yeah. You know, because we lose that a lot. You yeah, know? for sure. We, we put ourselves in these boxes and then suddenly people are are like, oh, well, I should. Oh, I had a I had some of this. Right. I shouldn't have eaten that. Or, you know, you just say, 
you know, really just focus on the joy of making these healthy decisions Mm -hmm. and what it's truly bringing you with awareness and curiosity, but not so much of the the misery that we often tag along with it that Mm -hmm. makes it so much work and it makes it isolating. Right. And if our healthy choices are isolating us, then we have to rethink how can we have a community and an environment and my house and my community and my school and my workplace that nudges me into healthy behaviors mm-hmm. so that I don't have to think so hard, but it's also one that brings me closer to community. Because if we have that connection and we're not lonely, then again, it's more sustainable and it's more enjoyable. And right. that's why we're here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that community piece speaks to my my adorable father who's 80 he occasionally will say here's a handout or an article that you might like on your podcast and one thing he shared recently which i'm sure you could speak to was maybe the seven populations of people that live the longest and mm-hmm. have the, the, yeah, the most the longevity yes. yes yeah and so much of it was diet but also connection yes and living in community was like really the biggest common denominator i saw between the seven cultures of people it was connection it is it's so key and what's fascinating about those cultures is that they're not seeking longevity it's not Uh like they're going and getting things injected or going and doing cryo or whatever that's not their end goal it's just to they just forget to die and in the process (laughs) you know what they're doing is they're eating a cup of beans a day they're walking up hills all of the all of those cultures are are you think that they're at sea, but they're not. They're they're actually walking up hills. It's an end in itself, not a means to an end. Yes, and it's part of the journey. And they have stress management built in, and they have mm-hmm. connection and community and this greater sense of purpose that is part of their culture. So mm-hmm. they don't have to take active steps fighting against the norm, mm-hmm. but rather their built environment is nudging them towards healthier habits, and those healthier habits comprise more than eighty percent. Of, of the likelihood of us getting disease, right? It's not our genes. And mm-hmm. we know that it's our genes are not our destiny. It's less than 20%. I mean, if you look at heart disease, yeah. our number one killer, over 81% is due to basically four habits. You know, it's, 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 are we, it, and it's those things. You're not you know, stuck in a rut. Exactly. It's, it's just such, so powerful. And again, it's about finding power. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where do we want to go? We want to ha- add years to our life and life to our years, in the words right. of David Katz, right? And it's it's just um, if if our focus is different, then our choices will be different. Mm. Well, just to reiterate your your statistic on the other end is lifestyle is 80 percent of our health, yeah. you said. Yeah. So that gives people I love your word empowerment, because if you feel like, oh, it's just set in stone, it's in your DNA, there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to die at this age because of your family. It's like that's not true. That's only 20 percent or less than 20. And again, it kind of it's so often people come into the office having been told, well, this is genetic. Mm-hmm. Like and and that that depowers them. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Right? It takes so. In, yeah. You think well, yes, yeah, disempower. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, saying, well, right. I like it both ways. <laughs> um, but it is. It's 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 you know. So often people come in and they're like, well, everybody in my family has a heart attack. I'm just waiting for mine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, does everybody in your family eat fried chicken? Does right. everybody like? What do you do for fun? What is your you know? What can we do to redirect that? Because mm-hmm. you know, in the work in in the the research of say Dr. Dean Ornish, you know. He showed that you can turn on and off genes. And that's why when we sequenced the the, the genetic code, we did not solve cancer. Mm-hmm. Right? Because less than 10% of cancer is actually, quote, genetic. 
Less than 10%. Less than 10%, you know, and and that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Again, there's so much that we can do. And what he saw in his research, which initially was with heart disease, Mm -hmm. that he could actually, in effect, reverse heart disease, our number one killer. But he applied the same intensive lifestyle medicine program to cancer and showed that you can shut off the growth of cancer in 500 genes. Wow. Right. And then you see identical twin studies that show that identical twins, the exact same DNA, where one of them might have inflammatory bowel disease, which we commonly say, well, that's a genetic thing. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you're not going to get it unless you have the gene predisposition, Mm -hmm. but you're also might have the power to not turn it on. Wow. You know, and the same with APOE, you know, with with Alzheimer's genes, you know, we can delay diagnosis of Alzheimer's. It's it's thought by up to 20 years. Right. So those genes, you might in in effect get it Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but you you might not struggle with that early onset. And that depends on the environment your genes find themselves in. And that is what we're eating, how we're moving, how we're loving more, connecting more, stressing less, sleeping well. You know, what toxins are we engaging in or not engaging in? And I think that's really key because so often we we might say smoke or we might drink excessively or do these things to escape. But mm-hmm. if we can search out connection rather than disconnection and, and approach this not with blame, but with power, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not like anybody's smoking cigarettes because they think it's good for them. They're smoking for a reason. Yeah. They might be lonely or or they might be depressed or anxious or are overwhelmed by stress. And so if we look at that with compassion, then we can find our gap between knowing what to do and doing it. And that is... In that gap, it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Mm. And you can find your power by looking curiously and not critically at that gap. Because, you know, where our faults are, that's where our mm-hmm. superpower lies. Yeah. And it's Ugh. there's so much there that that I just, you know, and I just want to like bring bring power to the people. <laughs> yes. Well, and and just trying to keep it simple and and just maybe even we could all ask ourselves, what are my two most unhealthy habits that could be hurting me? And what mm-hmm. are two of my best habits or two that I want to work on? Yeah. Um, I always use this. I, I think you'll love a clinical example. About maybe eight years ago, I was working with a woman who was around, I would say, 35 and I was looking, I, I've developed my own little questionnaire type thing called Life Changing Habits. There's a podcast on it from last May. But I was using this stress muscles handout that kind of reflected the idea of, you know, I know how to relax. I eat at least one really good meal a day. I exercise pretty often and things like that. So I was doing this handout questionnaire with this woman. And basically, she was going out drinking every night almost and that she was lonely Mm -hmm. and she would work the whole day and she would eat Cheez-Its and crackers for lunch. And that would be it. Yeah. And then she and she was overweight and but she would go out and drink alcohol every single night. She never exercised. Mm -hmm. Again, she was struggling to meet friends and I don't think she really liked her job. And so as I was looking at it, oh, she didn't drink much water. I always ask people about water. Mm -hmm. I can't remember about her sleep, but I was looking at her like going, do you see how much hope you have that you're not supposed to feel good when you eat Cheez-Its every day and you never exercise and you never drink water and you drink alcohol, a depressant every night, you're not going to feel good. Let's right. not just give you Prozac. Yeah. Let's see if like something can change Absolutely. with your. So what would you say? I'm sure you hear stories like this with your clients every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, and how I frame pretty much everybody that walks in the door is number one, I need, you know, 
I need you to identify. You don't have to share with me, mm-hmm. but why you want to live longer. And if and, and in other words, why are you on this planet? What gets you up in the morning? And sometimes we don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. We like our kids are out of the house. I, it used to be to make sure my kids, you know, got fed and got to school and all those things. And then and so there's a big there's a lot of landmark times where I think this needs to be restated for who you are now mm-hmm. and knowing that we are on a journey to our best self and that journey, our identity can actually change. Mm-hmm. And the identity we own and we claim is not the same now as it was what I thought was important 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, like so many people's career path, just like yours. Exactly. It changes. A lot of people find their passion at age 45 or age completely 35 or 50. Yeah. And that's and that's what's so empowering about about purpose driven living is it doesn't matter what age you find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and and it's not going to be the same. You know, there's a time when you're applying to med school and you're doing all this and your identity and your value is completely driven by what you got on your MCAT mm-hmm. or what you got on this test or, you know, and, and, you know, looking back at that, you think, oh, that is not what life's about. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what really drives you in one time in your life is not going to be the same a few years later. It's not even going to be the same probably pre and post pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, so reconnecting with this on a regular basis, I think is really key. And if you don't know what it is, then there is your homework. And it's, Mm. and and in my mind, and I'm sure you have some great tips for this, but you know, if people are like, I don't know what, what I'm here for, then, and then I said, well, what turns you on? Where do you Mm -hmm. find joy? Mm -hmm. Where do you find gratitude? You know, and just start really focusing on that and really incorporating a gratitude practice where, you know, you, you physically force toxic emotions out and you make space. You only have so much space in your brain. Mm-hmm. I know I have only very limited amount of space yeah. in my brain. So I want to focus on things that give me passion, that give me joy and the sense of awe. Mm. And then if you find that and you're like, oh, nature, you know, or or music or yeah. what is it for you? It doesn't have to be your career no, or your job. No, but finding more space for that, then that fuels your soul. Mm-hmm. And we have completely lost sight of that. Yeah. And most doctors don't know what their patient's why is. And then it's a very hard path to partner with them to be on a journey of healing if you don't know why they're here, mm. that you only see them as a blood pressure or a fill in the blank number. Right, right. Right. And and it's and it's a largely a systems problem where that is the focus. That's how we get reimbursed, right. et cetera, that that has kind of contributed to that end. But but so that's where I start. And then when we talk about, well, back to your patient, mm-hmm. what where do I start? Where do I go? Well, it's really what are you ready to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so often just the same, let's go back to that smoking example, right? Well, you know, most people, again, they're smoking for a reason. They're smoking and and we have to find what's the gap between the knowing and doing because we're smoking we particularly, know yeah. we know that, That's obvious. you know, it's there's clear. a lot of other things. There yeah. might be some questions yeah. or that are not kind of mainstream knowledge, but, but with that example, then you find power and you say, all right. And, and often I'll have patients and be like, just don't touch my fill in the blank, right? Whether uh-huh. it's my cigarettes or whether it's my cheese or yeah. whatever, whatever it is. I'm never going to stop this one thing. <laughs> yes. And then I say, all right, we're not going to touch that because I am your partner in your journey to your most vibrant mm-hmm. self. I'm not a dictator. Yeah. And if I was going to dictate a lifestyle habit, it's not going to work. Yeah. If you're not all in, like coffee, some people think yeah. caffeine's bad. There are a lot of people who will not give up their coffee. Well, yeah. I don't think I would. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's, so, it's so finding your power with, within what your readiness is. And mm-hmm. then as you build 
your 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 uh, confidence mm-hmm. by doing what you're ready to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a patient who was a truck driver, um, like drove a truck for a living, and and he came in, and I cannot remember our first encounter. I can't remember what I said. This is when I when I was still working in in mainstream medicine, if you will, and and then I saw him, and he was a three pack a day smoker, I oh believe. My and certainly eating a highly processed diet, just, you know, as what are you exposed to on the mm-hmm. road? I mean, stop at any truck stop mm-hmm. and see what your options are. You know, you could pay like a dollar for a banana or you could get, you know, beef jerky. Or, you know, yeah. What are you going to yeah. get? And so, and so so I talked to him and I, I don't remember what that interaction was. And he came back, um, I don't know, maybe a month or two later, and he had lost a significant amount of weight. And of course, he's a three pack a day smoker. And I was like, oh, God, he's got cancer. Oh, you yeah, know? that's and why so, he's lost so that weight. You know, you see while he needed to lose weight, if you will, in terms of of, of optimizing his function and his other yeah. um, medical conditions, uh, you know, but but it, it, to me, it was a concern. Yeah, because right? it was drastic or noticeable. It was distinctly, you know, yes, noticeable uh-huh. and and different, and also the smoking history. And then and then he said. Well, I did what you told me to do. And I was thinking back, like, what did I tell you to do? <laughs> and he said, I went plant-based. Wow. Yeah. And I was, and he went plant-based as a truck. I said, how did you do that? And he mm-hmm. said, well, I just took a cooler and I had it in my truck and I ate plants. And then the next time I saw him, he said, I was eating so clean. We didn't even talk about smoking. I was so blown away. And we were just like, you know, wow, this is fantastic. And we looking at his diabetes and looking at his heart disease and all the other things going on. And then the next time I saw him, he said, well, I quit smoking because I was eating so clean. I didn't want to put these sticks in my body anymore. Oh my and, goodness. and I was I was just blown away. And so it's just an example. You didn't have to target we that. We didn't talk about the smoking because he wasn't ready for the smoking. That's amazing. Right. But he was ready for the nutrition change. And he did that. And then he built his confidence. And then he was on his way. And and so you just never know. Oh, I and, love that. and you never put people in a box. Right. And Definitely. that's, you know, our whole medical system is putting people in boxes. But just yeah. know that, that you know, if you give people power and partnership, mm-hmm. then you have no idea what they can do. Mm. And you can know, I had no idea how much that changed the people around him. Because that speaks, speaks so much louder than mm-hmm. me telling one person something. But rather, if if you have a fellow diabetic, somebody that's struggling with a similar health concern mm-hmm. and they make a change and you see what it did for them it speaks so much louder mm-hmm. than what a doctor could ever say to you oh, yeah. and that pr- comes back you know full circle to that community our connection so you nothing know? has to be set in stone not even no. your sense of purpose and i yeah. love that you're constantly asking people or reminding them you know consistently regularly ask you yourself what are you passionate about what are you living for yeah and it's ironic that we're here recording today in ben van winkle's music studio yeah because our podcast that we did a month or so ago was called Discovering Your Gifts and Why They're Important or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I really think this whole sense of purpose piece that you're talking about today is so like spot on with this idea of I think everyone is gifted mm-hmm. and school doesn't always. It, in fact, it often doesn't. Yeah. It, yeah. it you know, leaves out so many types of intelligence mm-hmm. and so many passions that you just don't get to explore. They can't do everything in school. No. But I think that if people really learn and believe like you are gifted and you're part mm-hmm. of this big team and we need you in the yes. world to as bring you are, as you are, <laughs> you have special gifts that you have to figure out what they are. And yeah. that is a work in progress because yeah. 
you know, and you have to listen to people that say it can be the dumbest thing in the world to you. Like you're so good at finding things. I know that sounds silly, but we have people in our family. I'm one of them. I used to give up really easily. If I couldn't find something, I'd look for two minutes and go, I can't find it. My (laughs) husband would go for hours and find everything. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, but like something as silly as that, there's actually some gifts and some talents and some passion behind that. That's distinctive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I mean, imagine how dull would it be if everybody had a 4.0 and everybody was was grading so perfectly on these standardized tests. Yeah. How boring would our universe be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're not supposed to be the same. We're not yeah. supposed to be good at all the same things. Right. Exactly. And, it, and it, it, I mean, I think that's it's it's so key because I think, you know, perception creates our reality. Mm-hmm. And so often we're told what is important by what our parents told us, by mm-hmm. what our, you know, and, and I have been so lucky to have incredibly nurturing and and fascinating parents mm-hmm. you know but i remember my dad uh, who sadly passed away but but mm-hmm. you know when he he we didn't grow up with with a lot of money mm-hmm. he did not grow up with a lot of money and so when when i said i'm going to defer medical school and i and i really want to perform opera Mm-hmm. I want to go and I, you know, I had this, this school lined up and I said, I, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. He said, you can sing opera while you're operating. <laughs> so All he right? was Italian. So, so he was Italian. He was from the Bronx and he was absolutely like, yeah, that's great. It's wonderful. Opera's really good. But listen, you got to make a living. So, so what he perceived as really important. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, I'm glad I went and I did medical school, and, et cetera. But at the same time, I think that the best thing I ever did was have that performing background, mm-hmm, if you will, mm-hmm. and and the passion that sometimes you miss. Right. You know, you the know difference between, like. you know, the the perhaps even ridiculous passion you might find on an opera stage. Like what brings your soul to life. Yes, exactly. And then but bringing that into the much needed message of of how can you empower yourself around health and vibrance and create vitality in your mm-hmm. universe? You got to put some passion behind that. Mm-hmm. You got to You have to make people understand that this can be fun. This can be something you find joy in. It's not work all the time. Mm-hmm. And the presentation is key. And I think that, you know, kind of getting out of the medical system and, yes, giving up all income for really over a year. But wow. it was following a passion because I because I, I felt like I was contributing to the sick problem. And like I needed, your lifestyle degree was a year or well, what do you mean? Well, no. So I was working in a, you know, if you work in a medical system, you get benefits and mm-hmm. you get a paycheck and you get, you know, you're working and they're saying you got to see more patients. And, and you know, so you're seeing 20, maybe even 30 patients a day. You're not peeing. I mean, you know, I, I no have three self-care. kids. I had three kids oh, and I goodness. would have, you know, because I was always running late because I wanted to talk to my patients and really understand how I could help them. And you can't do that You're in a thorough. 12 minute or right. less office visit. And so but still, you, you know, you have to see so many patients and they're sometimes double booking you in terms of doing that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, three kids and I would have one lunch break that was con- cut down to probably 10 minutes on most days where I would pump because I was breastfeeding. Mm. I would eat. And I would pee in that 10 minutes and that and and my self-care was complete garbage. That and this is healthy. so many physicians are in this state. You know, mm-hmm. if they're in a state of burnout, how are they going to empower and inspire you? Yeah. And and we have to recognize that this is a big problem. Yeah. You know, physician burnout, fumes. especially since since the pandemic is 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 crazy. And we want to look at this whole thing in a state of compassion as to how we can again nudge our our normal uh 
infrastructure Mm -hmm. to help support people on their journey towards passion and purpose-driven living and health-promoting behaviors. Because so much of this is, you know, the natural state of being, the natural standard American diet, the -hmm. natural way of life in this country will drive you to chronic disease unless you fight against it. And that fighting against it or doing something out of the, quote, norm can isolate you. Oh, yeah. And so so how can we make it something we collectively do? And it requires a village and it requires workplace and, and a community and the built environment and our leadership to mm-hmm. understand if we don't have crosswalks, people get hit by cars. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, like this this basic bit of infrastructure is really key. And who are the people that suffer the most are often in certain zip codes, right? We're contributing to to worse health in in the higher risk zip codes, if right. you will. And and we are feeding this process we until tell people to walk, but it's not safe to walk. It's so not safe not to walk until it. we go and we yeah. make green spaces. And we say, mm-hmm. how can we build our environment so that this is normal? How can we recognize and get employers to recognize if you burn your employees into the ground, yes. if you will, working them so hard, but don't care for them and don't make them feel heard and listened to and connected and have an opportunity to take a walking meeting or to go outside or or you know really create vitality in that workplace mm-hmm. then they either won't stay with you or they'll burn out and they won't be creative and productive and they'll be more likely to be overworked and burnt out and depressed and we see if we have those yeah. mental health concerns we have more chronic disease that we have 4.1 trillion dollars in annual health care costs which is where we are i now. couldn't agree more and you know really that mentality and philosophy translates to to me any relationship i love to yeah. use the word like if you really love or care about someone you should want to do what's healthy and best for them so your employers should want to do what's healthy and best for yes. you parents should want to do what's healthy and best for their kids yeah. and just any relationship, you know, romantic partners, you yeah. know, anyone. And so that, you know, it's obvious it becomes apparent when your, your employers want to run you into the ground and they yeah. don't care about your welfare, yeah. that they're using you as an object. And sadly, sometimes parents do this. They oh, yeah. Say, I want you to play three sports because I want you like three sports and twice a day because I want you to be a division one athlete or I want you to take every AP because you have to impress everyone or Mm -hmm. redeem my own childhood because I didn't do as well as I could (laughs) have. And it's like, are you really stopping to say, are you happy? Are you healthy? And you being happy and healthy matters more to me than how good you are at sports or how many patients you see. My brother is an internist and he had the same thing. He's very thorough and he hated working with the practice that made him like see way more patients than he felt comfortable seeing. And it was just a chronic stressor for him. So he ended up switching uh, specialties or fields, you know, he's, he's now a hospitalist, so it's different. Right. Right. Um, but well, so what would you say? I know you like to look at that. What does the evidence say? What is the best evidence? What would be some of your favorite, you know, tips on anything, whether it be like exercise? I've heard people who walk 30 minutes a day will not get type two diabetes. I don't know if that's true. It sounds believable, but like, um, you know, just like eating, sleeping, nutrition, yeah. just anything along those not and exercise. What what are some of your favorite? Yeah, yeah. So so just giving a background, you know. So so this is really lifestyle medicine. And if we go back to that question of, you know, um, 
where I really jumped out of the mainstream medical mm-hmm. system and I started practicing. So I'm still a board certified family physician, mm-hmm. but I don't do primary care anymore because mm-hmm. I don't work in the insurance system. Okay. And that was a very difficult transition because my whole background, I, I worked in a Spanish speaking clinic um, in Nashville for a year. I, my residency um, clinic was, a was adjacent to the refugee clinic. So mm. most of my, my patients were refugees and I, and, and, and it is very um, important to me that, that this information is available and not just available, but encouraged and accessible to all zip codes and mm-hmm. people of all of 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 all shapes, sizes, colors, and 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 socioeconomic status. Uh-huh. And I think that's really really important. Um, and so it's a really hard thing to jump out of the insurance because then you're kind of really catering to people that can pay cash, right? Right. And so that was very difficult. And so so, but that being said, in making that shift. It's it's something that now I have the flexibility to work with programs that help empower um, with community programs, because that's really where health is driven largely. It's not in the sick care system. It's really important to get care in an acute situation. But if we're going to manage or better yet reverse or address the root drivers of chronic disease, we have to look at the way people live. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to lifestyle medicine. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is it? It's the evidence based use of lifestyle to to prevent, treat, and even reverse chronic disease. That mm. is lifestyle medicine. And so it has to be evidence-based. And we're talking about what is the best evidence for what we should eat, mm-hmm. how we should move, all of those things, stressing less, loving more, connecting more, um, sleeping. Yes. Oh, my gosh, oh, right? I've you had know, some stories for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and, and it's, it's just a really big deal. And so, so a lot of this field, which is one of the fastest-growing fields in medicine, is is based on a paper that was published in JAMA in 1993, which hmm. was called The Actual Causes of Death. And hmm. what they showed in that paper was, as we know, chronic diseases, right? What is uh-huh. that? Heart disease, cancer, lung disease, chronic kidney disease, Alzheimer's, these kind of things are our top causes of death and top causes of what we're spending our money, you know, $4.1 trillion per year on, um, and is what really drives most of disability um, and mortality in this country. But these things are all driven by the same root drivers. And so by throwing a medication at one of these things, I can bring your blood pressure down, but I'm not telling you why your blood pressure is up. Right. And then many people would say, well, blood pressure goes up with age. But did you know that? No, blood pressure actually goes down with age mm. physiologically. And we can see that in studies in rural Africa, right? If we are not exposed to the toxic way of life that is the standard American way of life, our blood pressure goes down as we age. But yet everyone thinks, well, it's my, you know, 40th, 50th birthday. I guess I'll go get my lisinopril. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to get my blood yeah. pressure medicine. And so we have to recognize what the root drivers are. And in this paper, they said 80% of the root drivers of actual causes of death are, in the words of David Katz, who I think is an incredible speaker, and anybody should listen to him. Hmm. Um, David Katz. Dr. David Katz. He was he was uh, one of our previous um, presidents of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Is that K-A-T-Z? K-A-T-Z. Okay. But he says, it's what you do with your forks, your feet, and your fingers, Mm. right? What are you eating? Are you moving? And are you smoking? And those three things, according to this landmark paper, uh, really comprised 80% of the actual causes of death. And then you see what's happened over the last 30 years. Well, thankfully, we're smoking a bit less. Mm -hmm. And we do know that we are not moving enough. But you cannot outrun what you put in your mouth. And so nutrition by far is the number one cause of preventable death in this country because it's where we are 
the farthest away from from optimum, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so while like that comment of you're not going to get diabetes if you walk 30 minutes Mm -hmm. a day, well, that will certainly lessen your risk. But But we have to look at the context. Yeah. And so that's where lifestyle medicine comes into play, where it's never just one thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the answer will never be in a pill or in a, in a supplement. It's, it's might be helpful in your journey, but, but, you know, we have thousands of square feet of intestines and they're just not meant to take a pill for mm-hmm. the answer, right? Mm-hmm. They're meant to eat food, to be right. nourished. And, and our hormones play a role in that, right? If we're overstressed and eating the most pristine diet, we're probably not going to absorb all the nutrients we're working so hard to mm-hmm. get from the farmer's market, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. You know, so, so we have to look in the context of that and realize that in that, you know, if there's a few things, you know, nutrition is key and starting with what you're ready to do and, and that it fuels your microbiome. Mm-hmm. is key. Your gut. Your gut, and- right. And so what is your microbiome? It's the trillions of organisms that line every outward facing organ. So mm. all over your skin, right? All of, you know, it, it, but tr- where we get the most press while the skin microbiome is key, right? How many of us have skin problems and things that we're mm-hmm. struggling with? And that's largely a, um, a, a result of microbiome to some degree. But as you go through your mouth and back out the other end. That's where the major quantity of of these microorganisms reside. And so it's like a protective layer around every organ, including your skin, which I didn't know was an every organ outward until like twenty facing. years ago. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, every outward facing. So you mean not the liver or the kidneys? It's your right. Outside it's, it's, of it's your exactly. And so it's outside outside because your mouth and and anus, if you will, are yeah. outward facing. Okay. And so that's why you have the, all of these organisms. And it's it's not just bacteria, it's yeast, it's archaea, it's protozoa, it's it's fungi, it's all of these, this ecology. And if there's one thing we know about ecology, right, mm-hmm. a healthy ecology is dependent on diversity, right? So the answer to your microbiome struggles will not be in a 40 gazillion probiotic, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? W- which might be lactobacillus, right? Which is great. But it's, it's one weapon, it's, that's but you need one, more than one. Right? And it's about diversity. And mm. we don't know what your microbiome needs, mm. right? You might have tons of lactobacillus. That might not be what you need. And so, so it, it's really important to recognize what the data currently says, because there's a lot of information out there about, about how to... F- deal with your microbiome. There's testing that will cater exactly what you need to do based on your microbiome, but your mm. microbiome is a reflection of what you eat. Mm. And specifically to create the diversity of microbiome that we need, just like the Amazon rainforest is healthy if it has a diversity of plant and animal species. Mm-hmm. It's the same. If we are really dictating or saying, you don't need any yeast, I'm going to give you an antifungal and get rid of all this yeast, we are disturbing a balance and we don't know what your balance should be like. Mm. But what we do know based on best evidence, according to the American Gut Project, is that it's the diversity of whole plant species that dictates the health and ecology or diversity of your microbiome. And, so, and specifically, 30 species of plants a week or more leads to a more diverse, healthy microbiome. Could you rattle off like 10 or 12 species or plants that you would say are easier to get. Yeah. So if you can have one meal, that's the colors of the rainbow on Mm -hmm. a bed of greens with a side of beans and Mm -hmm. don't forget the whole grains, you will live longer and better. In fact, if you if that was your dinner, you uh, based on in Haynes data recently, that would reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease by 10 percent. Wow. One meal, dinner time. 
I mean, so it's so powerful what we can do there, but it's about diversity and starting where you are and what you're willing to do. And if we are restricting a fiber-rich, nutrient-rich whole plant, Mm -hmm. like beans or whole grains, we are doing a disservice to the balance and diversity of our microbiome. Mm. And that might touch a lot of people in different ways, but it's really important to recognize. Now, that doesn't mean that some people might need to take it gradually Mm -hmm. because they've been on a low-carb diet and they've lost the microbiome that helps them metabolize whole grains, for example. Mm -hmm. And when I say whole grains, I mean whole grains like quinoa. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mean flour. Yeah. It's not whole. You yeah. Know? So, so, that, so the packaging makes a big difference in this conversation. And there's a lot of people that say, oh, my gosh, I eat beans and I get so bloated. Well, th- that's very common if you're not eating beans all the time. Mm-hmm. But the strongest linked food to longevity more than any other food in existence is beans or legumes. Wow. And, and if you look at all those blue zone populations, that is consistent throughout all five of them. What are your a favorite cup of beans? beans. My, well, I, the, the ones that I really, I love lentils, but uh-huh. lentils, especially in the Italian upbringing, you know, <laughs> like like lentils are great and they're generally easier to digest. Uh-huh. Um, so so that's a great place to start, the smaller beans, yeah. as opposed to like, don't start with a red bean. Yeah, you know, just, a big kidney <laughs> bean is different than a little lentil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, then, and then when I say food is medicine, it's literally like if you've been restricting this for whatever reason, because a lot of people have, have have reduced the understanding of nutrition to micronutrients or to carbohydrates uh-huh. and just recognize that, you know, a kidney bean is not the same as a jelly bean. Mm-hmm. One is very inflammatory, mm-hmm. even though it's quote vegan, mm-hmm. right? It is, it, it will cause heart disease just like any other processed food. Mm-hmm. If you, if you eat a highly processed vegan diet, as opposed to one that is fiber rich, protein rich, and full of things that help you optimize your health and reduce inflammation, which is a kidney bean. Mm-hmm. Or any legume, really. So, so, so throwing in that in, but if it's not something that you've been eating, then take that compassionately and know that yeah. you've got to build up your microbiome like a muscle. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't start with, you know, doing 100 pounds. You'd mm-hmm. start with five. Mm-hmm. And so you start with a tablespoon, literally. Yeah. And then go to two tablespoons and then go to three tablespoons and do what, you know, and know that there's going to be some times where you're, where some certain foods, especially in a world where a lot of us struggle with gut issues mm-hmm. for so many reasons, yeah. that we've got to take this compassionately and it is the journey, mm-hmm. right? And we build it gradually and, and no one ever died of gas. Mm-hmm. Like it certainly... <laughs> It can certainly impact many of us, but yeah. but again, this is where joy and a sense of humor comes into play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but if you recognize that on the journey, we want to gradually build these things up, restore and nourish that microbiome or the layer that it sits in, which is the mucus layer, mm. and and what has been done to that through high stress, through certain medications, through a fiberless diet, which is ninety seven percent of Americans mm. eat, are severely deficient. Yeah. and so we got to start low go slow, generally about five gram incremental increase in fiber yeah. um, and do it from from where you're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, so like so like there's people like I just hate kale. Well, let's not do kale then. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> what do you, do you like, like? Caesar salad or romaine lettuce? <laughs> right, or right. What are you ready yeah, for? And yeah. that's where you start. And yeah. then just start. And, and, and by species, you just say, you know, generally speaking, starting with vegetables and fruit mm-hmm. for a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, and then and then those beans and whole grains are sometimes something we do a little bit later if somebody's been really restricting 
um, so that we can train up their microbiome to be better re- able to receive those nutrients. But we do know that whole grains reduce cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease, our number mm-hmm. one killer, um, and, and uh, among uh, many other things. So, so going in that gradual sense. You know, it almost seems to me, and I don't know if you have a sense for this or want to speak to it, but I almost feel like if if 10 out of 10 would be the goal and someone like you in my mind, I mean, I don't really obviously have a I don't watch you or I'm not a fly in your wall. But if in my mind, you probably live like a nine or a 10 on a clean, healthy diet. An interesting thing about me, but also just our society and community is my daughter's friend group, maybe six girls in a very, you know, suburban school here. um, They think of me as a health fanatic. And I would say compared to someone like you, I'm probably like a four or five. Like, I think I am below average where I should be. But yet, I think based on what my kids' friends will say or what I see some people eat. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm like, my goodness, like, do your parents really let you eat pizza every night? Or do they really let you eat that frozen food? Or just do you ever eat vegetables? You know, and again, I think I'm so behind where I should be. So, I, you know, I do wonder sometimes, like, why, why can't we even just have billboards on the interstate that say, Eat some broccoli or spinach before your meal yeah. and it will make the, a yes. lifetime. I tell my clients to do this. Yes. I had a guy that was about 40 that lost 10 pounds in a month mm-hmm. just because I was telling him about this blood sugar book that I had read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a podcast about blood sugar and he looked like very healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked like he was, you know, maybe, you know, six foot tall, maybe 185, which in my mind seemed pretty good. Yeah. And he lost 10 pounds. Yeah. And it was just so simple. Just eat yeah. some greens or a little salad before whatever you eat. Just one right. little thing. Yeah. Um, or stop letting your kids drink sugary drinks. Yeah. I've been very passionate about that since the beginning. Yes. Not that we don't have Sprite with pizza occasionally. I try not to be ridiculous, but uh-huh. I do just think that is just one thing that yeah. if people drink more water and less other stuff. Yeah, like, and not overwhelming. And just, just yeah. stay to that it's one easy. thing. And yeah. that's like the preloading, if you will. Just eat something that is a whole plant first. Ooh, preloading. Like right? That. So, So, and the other thing is going into your meals hydrated. Mm. Right. If we go into our meals dehydrated, like most of us are, you know, then we're more likely to misunderstand our when we're satisfied, we're more likely to eat more mm-hmm. um, and eat wrong. And so and so 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 going into your meals hydrated and eating the healthy food first, um, that would be, you know, and so dark leafy greens are a great example. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see it, it doesn't matter where you are in your nutritional consumption, if you will, but most people are severely lacking dark leafy greens. And Mm -hmm. why is that such a big deal? Those are the highest nutrient, lowest calorie foods in existence. Wow. Right. So these are not really high in fiber. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say, oh, I get loads of fiber because I eat all this greens. Well, Mm -hmm. that these are largely water and nutrients and they're massive and they're wonderful for detoxifying the liver. Right. They're wonderful for for healing, for optimizing blood flow, for so many things. And and I would say with any whatever it is we are trying to target with health, whether it's heart disease or diabetes or you name it, dark leafy greens are part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's hormone balance. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're so pivotal in that journey to improving blood flow, reducing inflammation. Mm -hmm. And those two things 
are the underlying roots of chronic disease of anything really. Can you explain inflammation a little bit? And I'll just say this. I have been kind of really obsessed with the idea and understanding and helping the general population in layman's terms understand that like, and, and I'll just say the way I'm trying to think to explain it to even my clients, whether they're teenagers or adults is when you have something that's a neurotoxin like alcohol, which I do drink or sugar, which I do love or just anything it's like your body sees it as it's toxic and it gets like swollen Mm -hmm. or inflamed to fight something that's like a unhealthy foreign Mm -hmm. thing that you can't use like you can use kale but Mm -hmm. can you I mean I I don't think people understand the implications of even inflammation with mental illness Mm -hmm. can you explain that a little bit yeah and I and I would actually go back to the microbiome to explain that well Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different pathways of inflammation there's a lot of you know you'll hear the term oxidative stress and all these other things but but again if you truly understand the microbiome Mm -hmm. then this I think it becomes a lot more simple. Okay. And so, so if you think again, so we're imagining we're diving down into our intestinal tract, we go into the colon, which is the highest collection of these microorganisms in our microbiome. Mm. You have one cell layer of cells and I'm interlocking my fingers Mm -hmm. because these things should be tightly joined by Mm. something called tight junctions. Mm. And on top of the single cell layer, it needs to be single cell because you have on the top, you have what you're eating and how you've digested it. And then on the, uh, through that cell layer, you've got your bloodstream. And this is, we have to be able to absorb these nutrients that Mm -hmm. we're eating. Mm -hmm. But the issue resides in if these things are, if you call leaky, if you've heard the term leaky gut, right? What's happened in that scenario is that we've lost the mucus layer on top, which is the protective layer. Mm. And I want you to imagine if anyone's ever had a chia seed, mm-hmm. right? And you yeah. know that gelatinous thing around the chia seed yeah. and you're like, well, kind of weird, you know? Well, that, imagine, is your mucus layer. That's okay. basically soluble fiber. Okay. Or if you've ever made a flax egg, which you take ground flax, one tablespoon to two tablespoons of warm water, sit it in a, in a mug for a few minutes and you'll see it becomes a gel. So in the plant-based world, we use that as a binder. So you can put that in your smoothie and your smoothie won't separate in the fridge. You can put it in your baked products and it'll act like an egg, right? And so it binds just like an egg. Um, in in terms of baked products and and but that gelatinous substance that you see is much like the mucus layer and that's what the microbiome eat mm-hmm. and if they're going to be healthy they have to have a nice like jello that they can hang out in mm-hmm. and they can just reach over when they're hungry and eat that but if you are living in a fiber deficient world mm-hmm. again ninety seven percent of Americans do not eat anywhere near the fiber they oh need goodness. they're about fifteen like grams everybody. yes yes exactly oh that's goodness. fifteen grams of fiber is the typical. Um, average in this country. If, if you know, we want minimum 40 grams, if I'm working with a patient that has insulin resistance or diabetes, 50 grams minimum. I, you know, I don't, cal- it's not like for kicks, I go and calculate my fiber, but I've, I've done it on a typical day and I'm like 80, 90 grams, wow. right? If you're eating whole food plant-based, if you look at the SMILES trial, which is, mm-hmm. has looked at a dietary intervention for major depressive disorder mm-hmm. as compared to social support, you saw four times improvement in major depression with these dietary intervention as compared to social support, which was an 8% improvement compared wow. to 32% improvement. And one of their major focuses was 50 grams of fiber a day. 
So just looking at the difference in that, where if you just focus on what you can include, and then speaking back to that inflammation question, if we're going to build up the diversity of fiber Mm -hmm. to support that microbiome, because if we don't have the fiber we need, or we've had something to disrupt that microbiome, like tons and tons of... Uh, antibiotics, mm. right? Or uh, PPIs, proton pump inhibitors like mm-hmm. Nexium, et cetera, that, that affect the microbiome balance and your, your acid level or steroids or, or, you know, chronic stress even, right? So something to disrupt that or a big gastrointestinal, you know, like you had a stomach flu mm-hmm. or got food poisoning, then that can really disrupt that as well. So mm-hmm. we have to recognize that to build that up is really key because below that single cell layer is your bloodstream. And in there, just below that is 80% of your immune system. Mm. So why is that important? Well, if you eat something wrong, like all of us have done, mm-hmm. you want your immune system at the ready. But if we have a lack of that mucus layer, mm-hmm. then we have lipopolysaccharides. We have all these inflammatory things that go off of these organisms mm-hmm. that cause the the tight junctions of these cells to break apart and you get what's called leaky gut. Mm. And then you get things going into your bloodstream you shouldn't see and your immune system is on the ready on the attack and it causes low level inflammation throughout your system. And how does that affect your brain and your mood? Well, what we see is you have the very same tight junctions in your brain. And so, so if you look back to the data on Um, say COVID, Mm -hmm. right? People infected with COVID had higher rates of depression and and neurologic issues, but there was just long COVID, right? Mm -hmm. But also higher risk for for emotional um, struggles, brain fog, et cetera, because this is a systemic inflammatory cascade and it's crossing over from the gut into your brain, if you've heard of that gut-brain axis. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to talk about inflammation, we have to address this Mm -hmm. by really fueling and nourishing our microbiome. And again, where does that come from? While probiotics might be part of the picture, that's not the answer. It comes from restoring what is going to build up that mucus layer, which is fiber-rich sources from diverse plants. Well, and you know what's crazy to me is just to think about how many people could feel so much better with one thing. Like, yes. and I'm now I'm going to be fixated on this billboard idea. But what <laughs> if it said ninety five percent of us don't get enough fiber? Yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, drink water, you know, and just all the little things that could be life changing yeah. and little steps, even one or two things could Absolutely. change your life. I've seen it with some of my clients, like yeah. small changes in sleep, small awarenesses about their sleep or their just mm-hmm. college kids. I've had college kids going to the store yeah. and starting to buy like greens and vegetables yeah. more and going, I feel so much better, It's huge, but they just don't know. Like they just don't think about it. Like, yeah. And know. then again, the billboard idea that the, we're, we're having, you know, one meal a day, mm-hmm. one meal a day, the difference that you can make with one meal a day and making that intentional and making it something that you connect around. Well, it sounds to me like most of us are malnourished. Yes. But we don't see it. Exactly. We don't think we're starving like the third world countries, but we probably are. Yeah. Overfed, undernourished. And that's exactly what's happening. And it's a perfect storm for for chronic disease. Yeah. Right. Because what's happening is we're eating, you know, 60 percent of what Americans eat is highly processed food. Mm-hmm. It's been stripped of fiber. Mm-hmm. That's key. But it's also been stripped of like the germ in the center. So if you look at like like 
you know, a plant or a mm-hmm. wheat germ, you take off the wheat germ. My dad used to make his put wheat germ in our cereal, which is so funny. Aww. But 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 like that germ is where the is where the the um uh, the bran on the outside is where the fiber is. The germ is where the nutrients are. Oh. So we strip that away and we leave the endoderm, which is just this like filler, and mm. that's what your Twinkie is, right? Yeah, that is what filler. your processed food, these chips, these snacks, all the snack food that's the that's sixty percent of what we eat. Yeah, it's empty, but it's more than that. It's addictive. Because then they take that and then they add salt, oil, sugar to it, the most addictive foods or substances in existence. Mm -hmm. So we're acting on a dopamine rush, Mm. but we're also truly malnourished. And so our body is still craving, but yet it's addicted and it's addicted to the food that's driving the problem and the inflammation. And then you have a quarter of what we eat is animal products Mm -hmm. and not all animal products are bad. And it's not that everyone needs to be vegan. Mm -hmm. So don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong, but we have to recognize that the, the worst part of this picture is that we've got a lot of fat. We've got a lot of inflammatory protein Mm -hmm. in that, in that largely animal driven world and a lot of inflammatory processed foods. And that drives inflammation more than anything else. And so Mm. if you want to add an omega-3 to that picture, that's fine. But you're not going to do anything because your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is so far out of whack. That's why we see mixed results in terms of omega-3 supplementation, right? We've we've got to recognize if you've heard this discussion about omega-6, omega-3, add omega-3s because they're anti-inflammatory. Well, that's Mm. true, but they compete for the same enzyme. And so if we are bombarding and trying to fix a a nutritional deficit Mm -hmm. with a supplement and it's competing for the same enzyme, our enzyme is used up. Mm. We're not going to get the benefit of omega-3 until we start clearing out those mm-hmm. omega-6s, some of that inflammatory food, and start increasing that very small, less than 12% subset of what we eat that's plants. Mm. And if we start increasing that, then that omega-3 might actually play a role. You know, but but it's it's really important to recognize that we can't fix it with a pill. We can't fix it with a supplement. They might be helpful. But if we look at the foundation in the foundation, we find our power because mm-hmm. we all are longing to be nourished. Mm-hmm. And when you eat this food that nourishes you, you crave it. And it's hard to be happy if you're malnourished. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so we see, you know, that so uh, it, it, our perception creates our reality. And if we are truly longing to feel nourished in every stage of our life that's where we start what what changes can make you feel nourished and sometimes mm-hmm. that's adding a vegetable but sometimes that's literally getting better sleep yeah you know that might be your nourishment that you're ready to do and and mm-hmm. then you might be more ready to look at some of the other changes that you're considering yeah. if one thing helps 20% yeah. Or 10. Yeah. Then, you know, you make three small changes that could help you like 30 or 40 percent in your mood or just your Huge. health and yeah. just small things. I yeah. Mean, and not even counting the sense of power that you gained from yes, that shift. The empowerment for sure. Yeah. It's incredible. I don't know how much time we have, but um, any other like, I don't know, just favorite suggestions or points or philosophies or. Yeah. You know, I would just say. Again, reconnect with the identity of the person you're striving to become. Mm-hmm. Recognize if you're acting from an identity that was given to you by a doctor or by a teacher or by a parent. Mm-hmm. And just say, you know, what is the identity through which you want to interact with your universe? Mm-hmm. Why? What brings you joy and passion? Follow those things. Listen to those things and fuel yourself with 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 joy and awe mm-hmm. and and on the journey start to recognize what truly brings you a reward. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we have in that reward, 
you know, cake or wine or, but is that truly rewarding you to your best self? How mm-hmm. do you sleep after you yes. drink wine? Oh yeah. Right. Totally. How do you feel not the next good. morning? Yeah. Is that part of your journey to your finest self? And if it's not, then don't be like, oh, I'm weak, but rather yeah. be like, oh, I've got opportunity. Yes. You know, and where can I find a partner in crime, if you will, a partner that can help me to say, you know, I'm going to try drinking bitters instead of wine with dinner and see Uh what happens to my sleep and see what happens to my energy. Will you help me on that journey? They Mm -hmm. don't have to do it with you. Maybe they will. Or maybe if you go on a walk, even like 20 minutes or even five minutes after you eat, you Mm -hmm. use your sugar rather than without the need for insulin. I heard that. Which is so much goes into your muscles or something instead of your bloodstream. And so in a world where most people are hyper uh, secreting their insulin to try to cover all those high sugars, use every bit of power you can. And if you can move even five, 15, 15 minutes just once a day reduces yeah. pretty much our death. That's pretty yeah. cool. Any increments. In fact, I encourage people to go and have exercise snacks through their day rather than think, you know, I'm going to go to the gym at, at after work. But if we do it through our day, then we stress less. Wow. We are more productive. We are more Three, creative. Five, 10 minute walks totally. might be better than one big one. Exactly. And that could actually correlate with after each meal. And mm. then you're using your sugar rather than having to spike your insulin, which is less fat storage, mm-hmm. which is more stabilization. Mm-hmm. And these little bits of power, you know, fuel them, recognize them and celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Because because through this, you are growing to be the finest version of yourself. And I promise you it's contagious. And I promise you that other people want to do it with you. And we, and it requires a we, because it's mm-hmm. not going to have to happen from the healthcare yeah. system, Yeah, that we have to do this together in a community mm-hmm. to make healthy living contagious, fun, and engaging, and connecting. And simple. <laughs> and simple. With yeah. little steps like that. Yeah. And it's so much power. And it's it's honestly, I just, you know, obviously I'm a little bit high energy, but I just. So passionate about it. So, so many people I've seen lives change. Yes. And when you see people go from a state of dependence, weakness, and sickness to a state of power, yeah. vibrance. I mean, I had a patient who got off eight medications. She lost 60 pounds and then she adopted a child because she always wanted to be a mother. And it was the most beautiful thing mm. because she found her purpose and, and it and it changed her life. And and if you can recognize the power that every single person has mm-hmm. and it requires recognizing that we're all different and that's why the world is so beautiful. Yeah. Then imagine imagine what Chattanooga would look like, right? If we did yeah. this here. Well, imagine what our nation, our world would look like if we it just had spread. a touch of this yeah. that was spreading. Yeah. And so many of these things, I know we hear them in passing, but I just, I think we need to get a grant and do some billboards, but like yes. <laughs> sleep in a totally dark room. Yeah. People don't oh, know huge. this. I just had a 20 year old that was like, you know, I sleep with this light on and that light mm. on and she didn't know about blue light. And oh, I yeah. said, you know, I've read that you get 60% better sleep if it's a totally dark oh, room. Yeah. Yeah. And she turned everything off and she said, it really helped my sleep. Yeah. She said, I and feel so much better. 30% less anxiety the next day if you sleep well, you know? So right. these, it's a growing effect. Like It, it all and, builds and on itself. You won't eat 300 to 500 more starch-based calories if you sleep well. You're, you're all not these tired. Yeah, we together. eat when we're tired. Yeah. Or think we're, we're thirsty. We think we're hungry and Absolutely. you know all that stuff. So well, much power. <laughs> I love it. Well, how can people find you? I do have your website, mytruthhealthjourney.com. Yeah. And um, you can also follow me, Dr. Suze B., Oh. S-U-Z-B. 
Um, and I do some videos. I really don't like social media. I'm going to tell you <laughs> honestly, but but I do these videos for for companies. So on uh-huh. my YouTube channel, um, I, there's a lot of just free lifestyle medicine, evidence based tips, uh-huh. how to incorporate in your life. Oh, good. Here's how to boost fiber in your day. Here's how to you know j- just various things like that. Exercise snacks. So Dr. Um, Suze B is Suze B on is YouTube? my YouTube oh, channel. Good. Yeah, and and Instagram, which again nice. you know social media. If anyone wants to take over my social media, please. Like, so <laughs> no, I know. I'm about that doesn't to bring somebody. me joy. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, Suz, so S U Z and then B. Yeah. Capital B. Ooh, no, no, just S U Z B. Okay. Doctor, oh, awesome. Doctor D R S U Z B. Amazing. Well, this has been so, so insightful and helpful. And I just love your passion for helping people. And if any of them want to work with you and have like a virtual consult, and you, you do this all over the United States, maybe I, well, I do too. in seven states through plant-based telehealth, um, which is plantbasedtelehealth.com. <laughs> I'm sure they can find <laughs> anyway, it on find your that, website. Um, or here locally at True Health Journey, I see individual patients. I do employee wellness also, which Ooh. is really creating cultures and workplaces that are striving for um, vitality and vibrance. And, and I think that, again, it's creating community. And that's that's mm-hmm. one of my biggest passions is really just getting people turned on for, for health. Mm, so incredible. Um, yeah. But reach out if I can do anything. And thank you so much for everything thank you do. You. This has been so fun. I and love I so it. appreciate what you do. Thank you for what you do. 